This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. It's Tuesday night, it's half past six, and this is your weekly fix of Merseyside fight sports news. I'm Nick Pete, your host, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio tonight by the one and only the WBA champion, interim champion. We've got our ranking back, that number five in the world now. Fantastic stuff. Robbie Davis Jr. is in studio with me right now. How are you doing, my mate? All right, and thanks. Thank it you. feels great to finally get my prospect of the year for 2017 <laughs> in the studio. You are like Lord Lucan trying to get you in this studio. I think it's about a year now. It's about no, a year I've been trying you, to get you, you in. You've had some terrible times <laughs> trying to get me in. It's uh, It's been, the last 12 months have been some one hell of a journey that you've been on, matey, but I could see uh, at the weekend, obviously, the rematch with Sayawaka at the uh, convention centre. Um, anyone that hasn't seen the footage, check out Fight Disciples' Facebook account. The replay is on there. It's on Neil Marsh Promotions' Facebook account. Uh, you can re-watch the stream now. I re-watched it again yesterday after first watching it on Sunday. I've got to say, mate, a flawless performance. You must be absolutely over the moon to not only get revenge and get your belt back, but also put in a performance like that. It was, uh, it was probably the performance what I needed to get past them. Um, last time, obviously, as many know, when at my best. Um, a lot of things going on before the fight and outside of the ring as well. And then we put a game plan together. We'd watch the last fight. Well, I hadn't personally. Me coach David watched the fight back numerous times and he was going over and over what we were going to have to do in this fight. Um, we knew he was going to put the size on. We knew he was going to be strong and come for it. We we thought he was going to come forward a lot more than he did, like, like he did, because we were thinking he's going to try and silence the home crowd early. And I think when I knocked him down the first time, I think that put me in a better frame and, and put him in a worse one because he started chasing it then. Yeah. And whatever sort of game plan he had kind of went out the window. And then, obviously, bit by bit, we just chipped away at him. And then I never thought I was going to knock him out, to be honest. It was like punching a wall. But then when it came, um, oh, it was electric in there. We were over the moon. Obviously, putting him down in the third round, then putting him down in the fourth round. Kind of, you know, you were ahead the first in the first fight last year. You were ahead at Wembley last year yeah. uh, before you got caught. Was there anything in your mind or was there any point where Dave Tonks in the corner was going, listen, we're miles ahead here? Just dance, but you didn't seem to run away. You you were quite no, happy to keep counting them. No, because what it was in the in the first fight, like regardless of what was going on mentally, we had an illness in the build up and um obviously in your final week we had probably just thought it was okay because we was only doing the camera bits and stuff like that up in uh, Wembley. Um I, I assumed I was okay and I'd convinced my manager Neil and Dave I was okay to fight and I'd argued with them for the last couple of days that I was gonna be a hundred percent and then when I actually got in the fight, like in this fight where I was like six rounds up after four rounds, when I was like up in the first fight, I was gassed though and mm. I was fighting just to stay in there, like I was doing everything I could without just to not blow my gasket. Um, that was the difference in this fight where like I knew I had the rounds in the bank I knew I weren't even getting tired I knew I was mentally, physically everything was better preparation so that was the difference in the fight it was nothing to do with like anyone else it was my actual body shutting down on me in the first one Yeah. and I was fighting against that as well as him of do you course. know what I mean 
um, last year. Then was that was that your decision? You had to convince both both Neil and Dave to let the fight go ahead. Was that you know? Do you regret that now? Obviously, looking back because of the way you the fight itself played out. And what made you what made you be so confident in yourself, knowing that you were sick going into the fight? It, do you know what? It was like it was one of them things where opportunity had passed me by that many times. I didn't want this opportunity to pass me by. I was thinking I'm on ITV box office. I've got a big fight. Obviously, it was the Wembley Arena. Yeah, it was the, uh... so I just I was thinking if I pull out here with because it was like ten days out. I was thinking if I pull out here, they're going to get some last minute replacement that's going to take the spotlight from me, and I'm going to miss my chance again. And then the catch twenty two of it was. Me coach Dave Tonks, it was his daughter's wedding and um on the same day as the fight. And I'd basically said to Dave, I need you there, I can't have anyone else there. Do you know what I mean? So David Dave was basically missing a wedding, what had been booked for two years to come with me. And he didn't want to say to me, pull out, because yeah. he'd have been th- he knew I'd have been thinking he's only saying that to go to the wedding. Yeah, yeah. So it was a bit of a catch twenty two for everyone and we like we when we look back now, like even just like in the final few days to the final few days of this last one, the confidence and the morale in as a team just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Like you could see we were we were all like hoping more than confidence, do you know what I mean? Like even when I walked out into the arena in this one I had like that that solid look about me where I was game as anything. And when I walked out in the first one I was like a bag of nerves, thinking, oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the back of my mind, everything was going wrong. And that was just the first of it, like having the illness and then trying to get over that, having to lose a lot of weight in the last few days. Then, like, a couple of days before, obviously, there was my dad as well. That yeah. that was through on top. So it was like a storm of everything that went wrong. And then what we... Obviously, before that, we had opportunities before this rematch to have other avenues on bigger shows and bigger fights, bigger money. But I was all I had in the back of my head was with with ninety seconds ago, I nearly scraped through that. I had a, probably the worst version of myself yeah. that's ever been in a ring. So I just thought there's no way if I come in hundred percent he's gonna beat me. But I had said that on previous interviews, but I thought I can't keep going on about this until I prove it. And that was what I got to do on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a gamble in some ways fighting on Saturday because obviously you were going head to head with with Anthony Joshua. Uh, yeah. That obviously played a part in the fact that um, you know, unfortunately, there was no TV deal. Neil streamed it via his own Facebook, account, you know, his own uh, YouTube account and everything else. But then when it goes and does thirty thousand views. Yeah. You know, that tells you something when I think that only got put together what two, three days before the fight, if that yeah, three days before it, it, it like literally that. just got thrown together. You know, obviously probably at great expense to Neil as well, but it's been completely justified by the by the fact that thirty thousand people tuned in to watch that fight. I know, I think a lot of people enjoyed the first fight because we just we literally just stood so so in the middle of the ring and had a tear up, but for someone for his size and short and stocky, that suited him a lot more than it suited me being tall and slim. Yeah. Um. So once we changed the game plan, obviously, it from round six he was come a bit unstuck. Yeah. And um, he just basically started chasing the fight rather than trying to do his own game plan. And 
Oh, just thinking back on it now, I'm just over the moon to get it out the way. Of course. Um, in terms of your own performance, I think by by second, third round, you were switching stances a lot. You were, th- you know, you were countering with that left hook, lovely. You were picking them off, as you say, as he was lunging them forward. You were countering them, perfect. And I said at the top of the show, it was as close to a flawless performance I think you could ever have gotten. And I think that's. For you, and for, I think for a lot of fans as well, uh, fans of you and fans of British boxing who watch that fight, should look at that now and go, okay, that's there ain't no need for no rubber match. That's completely rubber stamped it. We know there were serious issues going into the first fight. You've come into this fight 100%, and you've absolutely made a bit of a statement. You've got that top five rank come back as well. Yeah, that's that was the most important thing. I wanted to get my rank come back because, obviously, since Crawford vacated all the belts, all the belts are up for grabs, and... Um, the WBA champ now, um, Krill Relic is um, he's not someone who I'd think, oh, I don't want to fight him. And like, I, I take the, I take that fight now this year. Like, that's what I'm open for. There's a few other lads in there that might be just before me, like um, Travanovsky from Russia. He's a former world champion. He'll be looking to get back in the mix. But after the likes of them, there's there's no one really else that could they could put in before me. So basically, just got to keep my feet on the floor. Hopefully, get another win in the summer. And then before the end of the year, hopefully push on and try and get either a mandatory or a voluntary shot at the WBA. Is there a is there a chance you may have to travel? You may have to go to Russia for it? Yeah, I heard that, but that's obviously only... That's talking ifs and buts, because Travanovsky's got to actually be the champ for you to go to Russia. That's probably why that's been mentioned. Yeah. Like, if Krill Relic is still champion, he's from um, Belarus, um, he won't be having no home fight. He'll just fight anyone in the back garden because... There ain't no market there, basically. Yeah, yeah. basically. So, you just got to buy your time and make sure you keep winning and keep focused and then we'll see who's the champion when we get there. Yeah. You could see on Saturday night at the at the end when you obviously your arm was raised, um, the emotion not only on yourself, but on Dave Tonks, on everyone in the team, on Neil yeah. himself... You know, it was like one of them moments where you you all as a team must have felt vindicated. It was like, we know we're on this journey. We know we're on our way to a world title. Yeah. That was a speed bump last year. That's behind us now. And let's let's keep on moving forward. Yeah. For this show as a team, like we, we proper hustled together. Do you know what I mean? Everyone put the graft in from training, from advertising, from getting the tickets out there, from organising the show. Everyone, everyone had to do their bit to make this come off because... Even for the likes of for this rematch, um, in the rematch contract, his money was ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? What we yeah. had to, what he had to get. So for us to put it all together, we knew we had to like do well with tickets. We had to advertise, and then when there was no TV involved as well, it became even harder. Yeah. And the the just I think it was just a relief for everyone when it was all over because. What we'd worked on, we basically this was a, a must win as a team. Do yeah. you know what I mean? What we needed, and I think it was just a relief for everyone when we finally got the win. And when we were all holding each other in the middle of the ring, like I had tears coming down my face. It just it just meant so much to me. Like I remember it. I remember a few years ago, like when I was first starting getting into the boxing and things like that. I used to think of like Sunday League football when you score a goal and you get that feeling against the team who you hate. And I, I was thinking, I need that feeling in boxing, do you know, like that electric feeling. Like when I was having some fights and I was knocking kids out, I was, I still weren't getting, yeah. I, weren't, I still weren't getting that buzz because I expected to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That that feeling when I when I stopped him in that twelfth round was, oh, 
that was the feeling I've been waiting for in boxing to think this is why I'm doing it. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Because there was that back history there. There was that whole thing. The narrative was there. It was already set. And the pressure was there as well. Yeah, like, on some previous fights, I've been known for, like, me butterflies and things like that. And then sometimes I'm flat and thinking, I know I'm going to beat this kid, but this one was, like, weeks out. I was bumping into people with tickets and... I, and and as I'm passing the tickets over, I'm thinking of the fight and my stomach's turning. And I'm like, this is, can only be a good thing that I've got this much butterflies with this fight. Do you know what I mean? And obviously it showed in the fight because I was a lot more alert, a lot more switched on. Yeah. I was probably the most focused I've ever been in a ring. And obviously now we're just more back where we was. You produced the best performance of your career, yeah, absolutely. In terms of, um, again, you know, having Dave Tonks, having Neil Marsh people around you that you can trust, that you feel like is part of your, more like family probably at this point yeah. in time. I think both of them come in for a little bit of stick, like you did over, since the loss to Ayahuasca last time. Everyone started, it's the, it's the old adage, isn't it? Oh, is he, is he right with the right coach? Is he with the right manager? Is oh, he getting the big fights? Yeah, you know, you, we, must have heard of all, you must have heard all this over the last six months. So. Yeah, we, we, we've had that even when I was winning. So as a team, we like me and Dave, where is the Steve's? We just we buzz off people. Do you know what I mean? Like if if someone if you probably to the people who think like they've sent me a private message and think oh well I've dropped a little seed there. Yeah. yeah. I've walked in the gym that day and, and said showed and, everyone. And showed everyone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's just what I'm like because like that it, it it's it's not just the gym with me. It's like the the bond and the morale in the gym and just everything about it. I just love being in there with all the team and it's not just Dave, it's Joe as well. He's like he's like my brother. Yeah. And then we've got Alan as well, my other coach. And then Neil, like regardless of like me and Neil have it out at times, do you know what I mean? But I wouldn't want it any other way. I wouldn't want a doormat manager that just goes, Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it'd be nothing for me. Yeah. And he wouldn't like he wouldn't like to just keep telling me that. He has to he has to tell me the goods and the bad points of everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he's probably educated me too much of anything. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes he tells me stuff and he's thinking, Oh, why did I tell him that? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But like like on when we like when it when we're when it's on when it's good it's really good and like now and even in the whole build up to this fight like getting sparring in thing and talking on the phone and everything was back what we were missing from that last fight and it just shows how much an illness and everyone not being confident in saying yes in the fight like that's what that was one of the main things that killed the fight for us before we even got in there like. Yeah. You couldn't feel that confidence in the in the in in the air, do you know what I mean, between us all. And in this one, even in the changing rooms, I was like a a, a wasp in a bottle. I just couldn't wait to get out of there, do you know what I mean? Yeah, just bouncing off the walls. And that's what it was like. And you you've seen that with the performance, as I say, in terms of, you know, I think it's thirteen hundred capacity we were talking about before we came on air and you know there was at least twelve hundred in there. It was pretty much a sellout at the weekend again. To have that kind of fan base, even though the Anthony Joshua shows on, I think when you were actually in the ring, David Price was in the ring down in Cardiff anyway, live on TV. Yet you still got thirty thousand people streaming yeah. the fight. Incredible to know that you've got that fan base there. Do you know what? Like, cause some of my fights have been like when I've been in Liverpool, it's been on like smaller shows, like maybe two years ago, and only like dinner shows and things like that. And then when I've been on a big shows, they've always been somewhere else, like Wembley, for instance, or things like that. Yeah. And I was always thinking, like, when I get back to Liverpool, I hope I've got a big following. And then when I fairly finally came back, I was doing like, I don't want to go on about money and things like that, but the the amount of 
ticket money I sold for that fight was like more than what people are selling on massive shows. Of course. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not even known for being a ticket seller. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just known for me boxing. But when you see like that many people support and people who aren't even from Liverpool getting, because I stupidly, I have to have two phones now because one time we put my number on one of the posters and <laughs> everyone from everywhere was ringing me. I was getting numbers and was like, where's this from Ring Anson? And he was like, hello, is this Robbie? Do you want to... I was like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Drop them off. <laughs> ringing from Birmingham, I need two tickets. Yeah, off that's me. what it was like. I was like, um, well, I'll have to, I'll have to uh, post you the mates. <laughs> like, I just didn't have a clue what to do. I was thinking, why is my number all over posters? For real. Yeah, so since then I've got another one now, like a more private one. I've still kept the album, but I still get like numbers yeah, yeah. asking for tickets that are just cost me cost me fifty quid posting po- posting <laughs> tickets to people. Like me. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, you're listening to Fight Disciples of Radio City Talk. I'm joined in the studio by the champ, Robbie Davis Jr. Again, if you want to go and watch his fight from the weekend, it's still available now. Just go on to YouTube, search for Neil Marsh Promotions. A replay of the fight is available now. You've got to go and watch it. It was the best performance of his career so far. And upwards and onwards for 2018 into 2019. Stick with us. Coming up in part two, we're going to talk about exactly what is coming next for Robbie Davis Jr. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm still joined in studio by the champ, Robbie Davis Jr. He's just been flicking through the echo there and having a little look at the report from the weekend. Um... Obviously, you were sharing top billing there on, on those pages with David Price. Let me first and foremost, uh, let's delve into it. Obviously, anyone that listens to the show regularly will know we had four Scousers in action on Saturday night. We had David Price down in Cardiff fighting Alexander Povetkin in a basically a, a WBA world title eliminator to potentially fight Anthony Joshua. We had Johnny Quigley aiming to bounce back up in Manchester on an MTK show. Sorry. And we also had Gavin Hughes over in South Africa fighting for the EFC uh, lightweight world title. We had obviously Gavin was on this show last week. Unfortunately, you were the only winner, mate. We had three defeats, and you were the only yeah. winner. Um, in terms of pricey, obviously, you know that a lot of people have tuned into that at the weekend. And uh, have you seen the fight since? Have you seen the finish? And- seen the, I've seen the highlights of Pricey's, and um, obviously, it's the big men, aren't they? And them sort of shots land. It, that can happen to anyone. Yeah. And I know you you get your people pointing the finger, but imagine you getting it by someone, what, 180 pounds or whatever they are, 200 pounds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just one of them things. But um, I've seen his comments and that, and he said he was he loved every minute of it and is right because not many not many people get that opportunity to fight in front of, what was it, 80,000? 80, 80, 80 odd thousand. 80 yeah. odd thousand people. The great thing was as well, you know what? Is when he walked into the walk to the ring, it was like Anthony Joshua was walking the ring. It yeah. was incredible. Yeah, everybody see, in there was. I behind need to him. see it, yeah. Because everybody in there was behind David Price. It was amazing. It was an amazing that's moment what I for him. Because everyone that knows him knows he's an absolute gentleman and loves him. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I, I haven't known anyone to ever say a bad word about him. And me yeah. personally, like I've, I've I've in the past asked him for like experience and things like that and text him over things to ask him what do you think of this and what do you think of that and he's always there to help me when I've ever asked him so I think to, it's just one of them things he's just been unlucky on the night but he give it his all so what more can you what more can you ask of a fighter absolutely um, I think you know in terms of this city now I think 
Hopefully that's going to change things because I, it still baffles me that Price is probably the most criticised boxer from Merseyside right now. I think everyone, and you'll know this, even you'll know this, everyone gets a bit of stick every now and again. I bet you'll have to your last defeat. All kinds of plant pots were coming out of the woodwork. But Pricey, yeah. for some reason, seems to get the most of it. I don't know if it's because he's so big. I don't know if it's because people like myself or whoever get so excited about him. I'm constantly saying, this guy's got the ability to become a world champion. He's got the punch and power to become a world champion one day. I don't know whether we kind of put that pressure on him a little bit, but the amount of stick that price he gets is unreal. I just hope that all these naysayers, all these people who doubt him, by the way, most of these people have never placed a glove up <laughs> no, in their lives. Never. They live in mum's back bedroom. You know, they, uh, they've never been to a gym in their lives, and yet they'll go on Twitter and they'll, they'll have a go at a fella that's, as you say, over £200 and can punch it all through a wall. But hopefully that performance at the weekend, that should shut everyone up because he was fit, he was motivated, and he gave it a good go. Nah, I think it's just more because he doesn't bite and... He just lets it blow over his head. Yeah. Like if I only have to have someone say something to me on Twitter, and I'm getting you know, messages off Neil saying, "No, oh, you can't write that, Rob," and I'm effing and blind and all over the thing. So that's just, I think that's just the difference. I think he just doesn't care. So I don't think it bothers him yeah. too much anyway. He just laughs it off. He's not like someone that he'll dwell on what some person said to him on Twitter. If he doesn't know, so. I don't think it's too much. It's just like you say, these naysayers. They've got nothing else to do with the time. Yeah. So they just they think I'll just jump on me um, social media and criticising him, but he won't be the only one. Then people that are criticising him, they're criticising ten other people on the same day. So yeah. footballers, everything. Yeah, that's it's weird. It's, it, you know, I, I don't get it, me. I, you know, I think it's a weird way to live your life, giving people stick on social media and getting some kind of kick out of it. But you know yourself, we live in a social media world. To be a competitive, you know, a, a sportsman at the top of his game these days, you've got to do it in the ring. But you've also you need to do it on social media. You need to spread your fan base. You know, you need to get people to buy tickets. You need people to tune into your YouTube when it's streamed or to your fights and whatever else. And and you do it great. Your social media is brilliant, and it and I think it gives a good insight into you. Obviously, yeah. this week it's been a cake bonanza. You, you, yeah. <laughs> all kinds of cakes on there and everything. I know. I was just because what it is, I've been saying for ages, like in our house and to my mum and everyone that's around me. I haven't had a cake in God knows how long. She was like, "Is you over cakes now?" I'm talking. I'm. She's thinking about about birthdays and things like that. I was like, "Holy Easter! I don't want an egg." And I, I seen like one of these cakes on Instagram with it, and it had all the eggs and everything on. And I said, "I want one of them." Well, then after the fight, I come home. And my bird's got me one, ma- bought me one, unbelievable, all cakes and little fairy ones with bunnies on that go round it. <laughs> and then my mum goes, has Rebecca got you one? I was like, yeah, yeah. And she went, well, you, me and Arlo, your sister have made you one. They've got me one. Then my mum's fella came in. He had one with a picture of me and Tonks. He printed on it. I was like, I'm going to be diabetic by Monday. <laughs> just cakes everywhere. <laughs> Careful uh, what you wish for. That's it, that's it. So like now there's no room for anything in the fridge but cakes. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of your social media, is it Instagram you like the most? You seem to do well on Instagram. No, it's probably me. Twitter is my main thing. Um, all my others, I'm, I'm, I'm a late, late catching up. Do you know what I mean? I've only had the others probably less than a year. Facebook and Instagram and things. So, me Twitter's always me. Just I can, spouting off. Yeah, I just I write about anything. Young, to be honest, the most thing I write about is films. It's not even boxing. I must watch everything in the audience, you know what I mean? So that's probably my main thing. So if you like films, to follow me and we can debate. <laughs> exactly. Maybe we should start a podcast for you. You know, the Robbie Davis movie podcast. That's what it'll be. That's what I'll go into after boxing. <laughs> <laughs> is that your is that your big thing? Is, is that what you do to relax? Obviously, a lot of boxers, people who know, 
you've got to live the life. And when you live the life, it can be quite boring. You live like a bit of a monk. That's it, because like you can't exactly go out for meals all the time because you're on a diet. You can't go out drinking with the lads and things like that. So the only thing for me, really, because it's like one of the pitches is local, five minutes away, is to go to the pitches. And literally, if someone, I've got like, I'll have, go and see some with him and then I go and see some with him because I've got nothing else to do really that can buy me time so I'm just forever in the pictures watching films do you know what I mean that seems to be my thing like but I do enjoy a film and I like to debate about them and to talk about things about it that it does seem to be my thing rather than going out on a night out and having a drink and waking up the next day thinking wow what happened there I can't remember not. and that's just it's never even like now like my fight's over I haven't once thought right I need a good night out I've been thinking Rampage comes out next week on the pitches. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what I'm like. Are you someone that watches the same film over and over, or no. is that drive you oh, drive you around a bend? Can't. I hate that when people say like, "I've seen this two hundred times." Yeah, I can't handle it because I know the ends and I know what's going to happen if there's if it's a film with a twist. I can only ever watch them once because you know the twist at the end. Yeah. So I, I can't. If it, even on Sky, that's why I hate Sky now. Because just repeats after repeats, and I'm like, I've seen everything. Yeah, Netflix, you need. I've got Netflix and ours. I've seen everything on that as Netflix, well. But... I just go through the series now. I'm yeah, just yeah. so I'm waiting for like. But you you start the series and then you've got like three series done. The next one comes out in June, so yeah. I'm waiting on that one. Then there's another series. I'm waiting on the last next series, and that's I'm waiting on about five series now. <laughs> Nightmare. What's the best thing you're watching? Of recent, mm-hmm. what's the best thing you've seen? Um, of recent series wise, I, I, I like that uh, Stranger Things yeah. on Netflix. That was good, but I'm waiting on like Game of Thrones, Power, all all the usuals where everyone else is watching. But I think the the most up to date one that I've watched recently, or oh, like Empire as well. A lot yeah. of people don't watch that, but that's good. Like it's about music and. All kinds going on, and actually, I couldn't really say on this. <laughs> Have you seen the new one that I watched it the other day? I can't remember what it's called. Doctor Dre and uh, Jimmy Iovine story. That's on Netflix. It's a and four it's just parter. T- yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it advertised, but I haven't watched it. I it's think brilliant. I'll probably give that a go. Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. It's talking about like more about Doctor Dre working with Doctor Dre. Yeah, it talks about well, it's both their journeys actually to where they came together to make beats together. But it's actually where Doctor Dre started and where Jimmy Iovine started in the music industry and how their careers basically came together. To make beats, and obviously, then they sold beats for like three billion quid. Or Need to speak today about getting me on them beat sponsorships. <laughs> Absolutely, Anthony Joshua's got one, so you never know. I might have to you speak to Anthony as well then. <laughs> Get my name in there. Uh, we mentioned that at the start of this hour, um, you were the only one, unfortunately, out of the out of the four scousers in big fights at the weekend. Um, the other one was Johnny Quigley. Johnny was fought up at a oh, it was Preston Gildor. Sorry, it wasn't Manchester on an MTK show. Uh, Declan Geraghty lost on points over 10 rounds you know unfortunate for John because obviously it was coming off the back of his first career defeat against uh, John O'Carroll where he was dead unlucky to be honest against John O'Carroll if it wasn't for the two knockdowns he'd have won that fight easy Um, another Irish fighter this weekend um, obviously John got the defeat 93-96 you know Johnny Quigley as well as anyone you've trained with him I have trained with John it baffles me how this guy's losing at domestic level because he's skill wise it must have just been I haven't actually seen all the fights I've only seen like clips I've just run through it very quickly to see how it is because I didn't know the results but I've trained with John and I know how good he is and I mean not just like a a good fighter I mean like class when you're in the gym with him you like and you see some of the stuff he does you used to just think, well, he's going all the way. And I think like he's just had a bit of bit of bad luck and changing gyms a lot and things like that. And, um, 
I think it's just what suits him best. But I think at some point the penny will drop and he'll he'll be back to his best. I just think he's going through a bit of a bad patch at the moment. Yeah, similar to yourself, he spent a couple of years jumping from small hall to small hall, and it's hard to really get any momentum going without a big promoter behind you, without mm-hmm. you know without the right setup. But as you say, he's kind of doing himself no favors. I think he's back with his dad now, but he's he's swapping and changing coaches. He went to America for a spell. I think he just needs to get his nose in the grind and just push on and try and get as many fights as possible. Yeah, that's always it because inactivity can kill anyone. Like I was even worried myself because the inactivity, whereas I was having going into this Sarah Walker rematch, but I had to just keep thinking he's only in the same boat as me. But when you you could be fighting someone that's had two fights this this year and you've only had you've had none and things like that, it can it can all play a toll on the fight. Um, rather, regardless if some people just would stay in the gym in that time, but some people like Johnny has family and kids and things like that, and he's got to look after them. He can't just be messing about in the gym, ticking over. Well, he's got to look after his family. So, I think it all plays a part um, on how you actually perform on the night, um, regardless of what you've got to do leading up to it. Yeah. In terms of your pro career, you know, you're still. I think we're on the you know we're on the cusp now of a world title fight. Hopefully, if not this year, early part of two thousand and nineteen. But your own journey that you've been on is it is it tough being a pro? Is it tough being a pro boxer? Um, it is for some people. Like I see lads in my own gym who um, they like come to the gym in the morning and then they're going to work and things like that. Um, like I've been lucky to them um, have sponsors and things like that. But when I've and even like of of recent, I lost my main sponsor. Um, but then obviously he's still in contact with me it's not regardless like he just cut me loose it was just like the company weren't there anymore but luckily enough someone else has come along and they've stepped in for them and they're sponsoring me now but I think it's more like if you're a fighter that's a good fighter but you're a quiet kid and you're not very outgoing and things like that it's hard to put yourself across to people like me I could talk the the leg off anyone Mm -hmm. so I can I can bonds with these people and I can I've even turned sponsors down because I've thought these person's not right for me do you know mm-hmm. what I mean but then when I have speak to some people and I speak to someone I think the connection I've got with this person I don't even know him like what a great fella do you know what I mean and they're offering to sponsor me I'd love to have them being part of my journey do you know what I mean of course and then like when they come to the fight and like there's one fella called John Whiteley now and he's only been with me less than less than a year and when I got out that ring and we he like and he never just came up to me and shook my hands and said, Well done. He grabbed me and we hugged each other and I could see what it meant to him, like what it meant to me. Do you know what I mean? Like he really wanted to be a part of the journey. And they're the type of people what some fighters haven't got, so it's it's hard for them. And if you see some of these fighters that are doing like some fighters are working in gyms doing PT and some fighters of what a lad from my gym is just carpets, do you know what I mean? So it's hard to juggle it when you know people don't realize how hard pro, pro fighting is. Yeah, and um, say if you don't sell 70 plus tickets on a small all show, you're only paying for your opponent, like your natural journeyman's pay cost 1500 quid. Yeah, if you're only making selling two and a half grand's worth of tickets after you pay your coach out and you pay the opponent, you're getting left with like. Six seven hundred pounds mm. is that really worth it for eight ten week camp? Do you know what I mean? People don't realize how hard it is. You see some of these young lads who are amateurs now and they're getting pipped in like the ABAs and they're thinking, Oh, I'm not going in them again, and they're only 18 and they're thinking, I'll just go pro and make a few quid. 
And then when they go pro, they're thinking, why have I done this? Yeah. I was better off in the amateurs living in my Mars for nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When they're trying to grow up too fast and they're trying to jump the gun, it's it's so hard. And Obviously, there's like myself, I'm lucky because... And, I, and, I, and I'm blessed to have the sponsors that I have and the help that I've been given from like day one more or less. Do you know what I mean? But some fighters, it's just not that simple. Yeah, absolutely. And we get um, <clears throat> there's so many fighters now. I think domestically, there's double the amount of active pros or at least licensed pros than there were just ten years ago in the UK. It's it's great because it's a boom time for the sport. But obviously, you're getting kids turning pro now without even without even you know advancing past the Northwest Counties ABAs and things like that. And you think, well, you, there's no there's no path there for you. It's going to be yeah. next to impossible for you to get to become an, the next Anthony Joshua. Yeah, that's... you know what I mean. It, it, there was a time I remember when I was working for the Liverpool Echo. There was a time that it was only lads who were either ABA champions or you know. Uh, even medalists at major tournaments that was serious about turning pro. Now it seems to be like everyone wants, wants the, to go with it. The, the downfall of it now is everyone wants to be a home fighter. Yeah, there's not enough fighters that think like you're genuine. They'll fight everyone, honestly. But if you're a home fighter that's four, five, and all, and you're scraping through, you're not making any money, but you're just you're paying for your opponents and things like that. These fighters don't want to go to someone else's back garden to be the away fighter, even though they're going to get paid well. Mm-hmm. But I see some people like um, like there's a kid now who's just management and training Kieran Farrell from Manchester and he puts on his, like, his social media is like, he, I seen him post the other day, like basically what I'm repeating now about like, what you've got to sell to pay for the opponents and stuff like that. He's saying, but I've got lads here that are game as anything, they'll fight anyone anywhere and they're willing to they're willing to fight on the road, they're willing to fight in other people's back gardens, they're yeah. willing to take that harder route, but they don't have to sell a ticket and they're getting paid well. They're getting yeah. paid more than your average journeyman because they've got their own little winning records. Might be four and two, but the winning records and they'll get more than the average journeyman and things like that. So it give it it was good to see like someone actually putting it out there, letting these other kids know that they're turning pro, thinking, right, I'll just turn pro and then when they think of like, if you want to have a pair of shorts and then you've got to have your medical, there's 1,500 quid just on your shorts and your medical. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. It's just, it's all money, money, money. And then you've got your eye tests and then you've got this and then you've got that. Then you've got your travelling expenses to get the gym and then you've yeah, got to have money. Coaching, strength and conditioning, then you've decent got have, food. You've got to have money to live. Do you know what I mean? Unless you want to just sit in your house every day of your life or in your mum's bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was good to see someone else put the incentive to people and let's like to say, listen, this is boxing, this is pro boxing. If you really want to be it, you've got to work hard and you've got to graft graft better more than the next person. Because if you're coming from the ABAs, like you just said, and you didn't even win the area final, um, you've got to have, you've got to be one of them. That you didn't shine at the amateurs because you've got the perfect pro style. Yeah, do you know what I mean? If you're not one of them, you're probably better off working. Course, you know what I mean? Choosing a different career path. It's the, it's the hard reality. Absolutely, yeah. That is the truth. That is the truth. Um, you're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I'm Nick Pete, still in the studio with Robbie Davis Jr. Stick with us because in part three, we're going to look ahead to 2018 and beyond. We're going to see what is next for the champ. Stick with us. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Welcome back to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. I am delighted to say, still in the studio with me is the one and only Robbie Davis Jr. Um, Obviously, you've got your world ranking back now, back at number five with the WBA. World title fight, hopefully, you know, one or two fights away. 
Um, can I ask you, though, why you went that route first and you didn't go the more traditional central area, English, British, Commonwealth? Um, it was more like I, I didn't want to. It was just a, after we had a few fights and I flattened a few people, Neil just gave me the option and said, like, do you want to go this route or do you want to go that route? And obviously if someone... It's like someone dangling a carrot in front of you and saying, like, we can get you there just as quick as we can get you there. Yeah. Like, so I was just like, I'll definitely rather fight for a world title than a British title. No disrespect to the British, but it's only obvious in anyone's mind, regardless of how much people think of a British title, how good it is. You wouldn't compare it to a world one. No, of course. And the money and everything else that comes with it. So I was just thinking, of course, if I can, if there's... A, if there's a route that we can do to get me there, I'd love to do that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then as it's gone on, like even now, I don't even know what rank on the WBA are going to give me. But obviously next month we'll see. Like with that win, it's probably shot me back right into the mix. And um, hopefully, like hopefully, I am back in the top five because then literally one, one or two more fights could be knocking on the door for whoever's the champion. Yeah. And then I basically bypassed everything. What some fighters have to do, some fighters like the British scene's buzzing, especially at my weight. Um, Absolutely, anyone can be a banana skin for you. Just in you're trying to, if you're trying to keep hold of that British belt, yeah, you could have a hard route to do it. Do you know what I mean? Of course, obviously, there's a there's a, a wealth of talent up at super super lightweight. As you say, there's a there's yourself, Terry Flanagan, Josh Taylor, who all seem to be now on that world title level rather than the, the domestic yeah. level. But then at domestic level, Jack Cattrall, probably O'Hara Davis, Tyron Nurse, Glenn Fort, you know, that type of yeah. mix at that level. Will you look back on your career though and go, oh, I wish I'd won a Lonsdale belt? Because Derry Matthews comes in here and goes, you know what, because Derry won British Commonwealth, a version of a world title. He won all kinds of belts. Yeah. But he comes in here and goes, I'm gutted I never won a central area. Yeah, <laughs> as mad cause, as it is cause just because it's like the one old school has. yeah just because it's like old school and do you fear that you know all being well you had a good ranking you know maybe a final eliminator before the end of the year or even a final eliminator late summer and a, a world title fight end of the year do, do you fear that you've you've skipped past this this level perhaps when you look back you go oh, you know what would have been nice to go there's my Lonsdale belt there because yeah, for me some, it's the nicest belt in boxing it's at beautiful. some point um, I probably would have liked to forfeit it to think I'd have been vacating it because I wouldn't have been sticking around to try and win it outright and things like that because like you got to think but for myself I've never ever had a promotional team backing me yeah. so like for where I've got even now has, has been good it's incredible do you know what I mean so for me to be to me to win the British title and then fighting every other promotionals fighters back gardens to keep hold of it I just thought it's better what I've done anyway fighting basically doing what I want when yeah. I want fighting when I want and just organising things with my manager jumping on different shows here and there and then obviously ITV came back and that gave me some sort of small platform Yeah. Um, and I've just been building on that from there In terms of domestic opposition obviously there's there's a great fight I think with Jack Cattrall there's probably a great fight with O'Hara Davis because of the needle that you guys had because of that outspeak. Because yeah. the fact he's outspoken and he says nonsense to yeah. try and get people's backs up. I think fight fans have already cottoned on that there's some kind of rivalry there. But do you see them once you've got the belt around your waist? Are they are they defences on home soil? Potentially Echo Arena defences? Um, see, I think Jack's got a man to put on him with a uh, Glenn Foot. But uh, 
because there's never really been a needle with like say Glenn Force or Jack or Tyrone Nurse. I've obviously never even thought of fighting them with O'Hara. Obviously, even the other days he's, he's piped up again. There's always something he has to say about something. Yeah. Um, I'd gladly fight him, but I've said it before in an interview. I think he's bit his own hands off by falling out of bed with Eddie, and that I don't think he's going to get pushed forward with Frank and things like that. He's going to be used as an opponent for the better fighters uh, at one forty under Frank Warren's stable. Um. If they wanted to fight me, like now I'm looking down on him in even England English rankings or international rankings, I'd be looking down on O'Hara. And if he was to fight me, they've got to pay for me. And I don't think they'd have enough confidence in their man yeah. to pay me. So, and if I get to world level, I'd never think, oh, I want to fight O'Hara Davis and give O'Hara Davis an opportunity of a world title fight when he doesn't deserve one. Um, I'd be looking at like bigger names, international names, Americans and things like that. So the only place I'm looking is what's best for my career, not what suits someone else for their career. Yeah. In terms of um, becoming world champion, can you do it without a promoter? Yeah, I believe I can. I believe because chances are you're always going to have to be the away fighter, unless unless of course Neil manages to get a TV deal with ITV or whatever else brings them on board, yeah, well, and he's done it before, so. Yeah, there's possibilities that I've ever fight for a world title. I could eventually get it on home soil if it was, if it worked well with ITV or maybe another promotional company. Someone else might say, "Oh, we'd have Robbie on the show for," thing when they, but then they'd maybe want to tie me down with some sort of deal if I win and things like that. But if it's right for me, then we'd go with that. But some of the lads that are the main fighters in me weight division for the WBA, like um. Israel Relic, Belarus, he, he hasn't got a home soil because there's no network or anything out there. Yeah. So he'd probably have to come to Britain if it made mandatory for him. Travanovsky in Russia, he's got a massive backing. But what, he's 37, 38 now, he's a good boxer. We've seen him knocked out in the first round. I don't think he's I don't think he's the fighter he was 10 years ago. So I, w- I wouldn't have no problem if I had to go out there to fight him either. Just... You've just got to do what you've got to do to become world champion. It's not. Of course. It's it's easier said than done. It's. I've seen many of fighters lose the first time, lose the second time, and then come round the third time and finally win it. It's um, it's not something that's just given away. But I honestly believe if a if they get the opportunity comes across, I'll be at my best, my best again, and I, I will win. In terms of domestic composition at world level. Obviously, Josh Taylor, similar to yourself, is banging on that door now. Um, yeah. Uh, Teddy Flanagan, it looks like he's going to fight for the vacant the vacant belt uh, since moving up from lightweight. Uh, who, alongside yourself, obviously, you rank yourself at number one. Who, who just says number two? Who's the, who's the toughest domestic fight for you? One of those two? Um... Or who have you been impressed with? Um, she has a lightweight. I was impressed with Teddy Flanagan because of his speed. And I'd spied him and I thought, yeah, he's fast in. But I was only at, like, level of eight rounders. So, like, where I'd be knackered after seven rounds, yeah. he was just getting a second wind because he was used to doing so many 12s. Do you know what I mean? So I like that. Josh Taylor, obviously, we've got history in the amateurs. We've knew each other a long time. Um, I know Josh is a good kid. Um, uh, Jack, um, Jack seems to be more of a an American-style slow one big shot and bang it out. Yeah. So he's good in that sense. 
Um, but I, uh, I just don't know. Um, I think, I think the the biggest fight for me if it ever came off in the division would probably be Taylor, um, because he's got a great boxing brain, um, and that's like what my thing is. I'd be trying to outmaneuver him, and he'd be trying to outmaneuver me. So I think if there was a, if there was a big fight, like hopefully. Like like my dream for me if I won a world title and hopefully he won a world title and which would be to fight him in a unification. But when you see the lads who are fighting for the WBC belt, like you've got Jose Ramirez who's an Olympian as well. He's the WBC champ. He's gonna he's gonna get put against the interim champion, which is a progress. He's just knocked out. Um, what's his name? Who beat? one who beat Ricky Burns. Oh, in Dongo. He knocked out in Dongo in the second round, yeah. Yeah, see, so <laughs> yeah. he's obviously a good kid. I haven't seen much of him, but he can obviously bang. Yeah. So Josh is going to be in a big mix with them. That belt's not going to be given away either. Of course. In terms of someone like him in Dongo, would that be the perfect next opponent for you? Someone that domestic fans are aware of, but someone who's, who's, been, who's been at world level? Is that is that what... Or, or is it are you I'd, literally looking at whatever the WBA? If they if they give me that, like I wouldn't really be too thingy about it. I think I'd just destroy him, don't go. I just yeah. think he's old and weak, and every time he's been it to the body or it clean, he's went down in his last two fights. Some fighters at that age, they just go old overnight, and I think his his big night was against Ricky Burns, and then he's probably enjoyed himself for a few months and just his, his age has caught up to him because yeah. since then he's just been blitzed every time he's been in the ring I think like like some of the names I've asked for <laughs> like over the years I've said people like Molina and people like that you know, like they've been at world level but they've yeah. they've fell short and things like that they'd, they'd be the sort of fights I'd want but then if you can get to the world title belt an easier route you can have them as your first few defences. Of course, absolutely. So it's just all ifs and buts, swings and roundabouts at the moment. I'm just keeping my feet on the floor and letting Neil come back to me with whatever he thinks best to do, and I'll probably just go with that. I say it's an exciting time now. Terence Crawford has moved up and, and vacated all these belts. Is, is Mikey Garcia, would you rank him as the number one now in the division since he moved up and, and claimed that belt from Lipnitz? Yeah, he probably is limping it as hard as nails. Even when he's a, even before he knew he was fighting Mikey Garcia, I remember watching him when he was like nine or ten and oh, and he was knocking out kids twenty and oh in his ninth fight. Do you know what I mean? So you knew he was an handful, and then Mikey Garcia just completely boxed towards us and made it pretty easy to yeah. be honest. Do you know what I mean? But some of them fighters like limping it, like you can just box them and it might just become an easy night for anyone, not just Mikey Garcia. Yeah, but. Obviously, Mikey's that much of a talent now. You don't know if he's going to stay at 140. He's going to think there's bigger fights at 147. He can probably still make 135. So they're like pound-for-pound champions, elite level, where someone like myself or just trying to make it and you, he wouldn't even give us a second chance until we were, we'd were we won a title and defended it three times. Yeah, of course. Do you know what I mean? In terms of... I say this super lightweight division domestically and internationally. It's 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 incredible. There's so much talent there. And there's so many options for you. If World Boxing Super Series came knocking, would you be interested? If they said to you, "We're looking to sign eight of the best super lightweights on the planet," everyone's yeah. going to be in the mix. Do you fancy it? Yeah, that'd be up for it. I honestly because in a perfect position because you're a free agent, so you're not tied to any promotional contracts or anything else. Yeah. You you know you'd be wide open as a yeah. an entrance. 
I'd be like, that's Anissian Cali. Get me in that tournament. They're <laughs> <laughs> hearing pretty solidly that, they, you know, they're, well, they're going to announce it in a, in a couple of months' time, but they're definitely doing bantamweights. We know that. We know a lot of British bantamweights, Paul Butler, Jamie MacDonald, a lot of these guys have already been spoken to. Zelana Tete, apparently, he's already signed up for it. I'd be surprised if he's not at least... Is, it, is, it, is that what Burnett's in? Burnett's, yeah. So I don't know whether Burnett's signed up for it, but I know yeah. most of these other guys have been approached and are certainly interested in it. I'd love to see Burnett in it, obviously, because we want it like the Cruiserweights this year. Have you been impressed with World Boxing Super Series? Have you enjoyed watching the tournaments? Yeah, I've loved it. I've been to quite a few of them, especially uh, the super middleweight ones, but even the Cruiserweight one. To have all the belts in one tournament, that's probably you'll never get. I don't reckon you'll get that in any other super series. Like all the champions agree to go on it. Yeah, that's probably been the best for that one. Like how long has it been since we've had a unified cruiserweight champion? I honestly think Yusuf will do that because of skill. But what's the fella's name who he's fighting? Gassiev. He can bang. It's a great fight. It's yeah, a great fight. So, but then the super middleweights as well. That's um, they've got like all our British fighters. What make it that bit more better? Like. Yeah. You had Eubank, Groves, Calm Smith all going in it, and all three of them were down in the the three of our British lads were in the last four of the tournament. So it's been great to watch. Like I was even at the I was at the Groves versus uh, Eubank. Eubank Manchester. Yeah, that was great to be. I seen Callum's first one against Scotland. Yeah. So it looks like Groves, Callum Smith is going to go to Manchester now as well in July. Apparently the O2 is not available, so. That'll will that help Callum Smith? Do you think it being that little bit closer? Yeah, I don't think it matters where it is to Callum no. Smith. I think he'll just be focused on the job, and you could have it in America, and it'd just be the same. I think once once you're at that sort of level, you're just ready for anything. Of course, James De Gale fights Caleb Truex in uh, in Las Vegas this weekend. Obviously, looking to get revenge himself and win back his belt. The incentive's there for him. If he wins his belt back this weekend, he'll, he'll fight, fight the, win. the winner of Groves Smith, surely. Yeah, I imagine that's what he had in. He had planned anyway. Just thinking because in the super middleweight, he was like seemed to be the biggest name that was left once Badu Jack had left the weight. Yeah, and um, I think he was just thinking, "Now, oh, well, I'll just cruise through this fight, and then whoever wins, I'll fight him, and just beat whoever's in the super series sort of thing." And then, obviously, I think he took his foot off the gas. And ends up losing to trucks, but I think in the return, he'll do a number on him. And then I honestly don't know which fight I prefer to fight, see him in. I don't know if I prefer to see the rematch with Groves or prefer to see him fight Callum. Fight Callum. Both of them have got good stories attached. I know, that's what I mean. You know, the Groves fight, obviously, they've, they've got boxed, so much history. And he's boxed his brother. Of course, he's got a win over Paul. So yeah, it's so. it's all set up perfectly for the. For the for the next fight after this, yeah. Um, in terms of yourself, then before we sign off, what you know, what's the next date on the agenda? Is it the WBA meeting to see where your ranking is, and then obviously see where <coughs> see where the where the title lies? No, I'll be looking to get out in the summer again, eh, June, July, something like that around that time, and then obviously just get another win behind me, and then we'll sit down and look at the whole schedule again, see what's coming up next for me. But what I'm hoping for is June, July. Neil's having a break away from me for at least a week because <laughs> he's sick of listening to my voice. But then, um, so once he's back, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he has something planned straight away. He's, he's always a couple of steps ahead and he doesn't like to wait round. Brilliant, great. Well, listen, thanks for finally coming on the show. I know, it took, me time, to finally took, to, took me time to get here. But Robbie Davis Jr., my prospect of 2017. He's back, baby. Roll on 2018 and roll on that world title fight. Thanks for listening. Pick us up on social media 
at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And I will see you back here next week. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.